Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Getting together once again on a uh, Thursday night, end of another lovely, amazing, and action-packed week. Another Chumash and Shalom Shir and another Parsha. Kisavoy. One week closer to the to the end over here, to the to the beginning. One week closer to the beginning. Um, yeah, I don't know. These weeks go by a little too quickly. These years go by a little too quickly. Look at that. Another few weeks, we are going through one more lap over here of But before we get too excited about that, let's focus on Kisavoy. Kisavoy um, has a few different parts going on Kisavoy. The beginning, of course, everybody knows is about the midst of Bikurim. The first fruits. And actually, with our Makasir, our Makasir, we just bumped into that just last night. That's right, Rabbi Misha. Arthur was there. Arthur Akain just got to the Sugis of Bikurim, the mission that talks about Bikurim just last night, last night Makas, and that is, that is the um, mitzvah of the week over here. Bikurim. So let's dwell a little bit on Bikurim through the eyes of the Parsha, through the lenses of the, the Torah's presentation over here. Bikurim... On, on, on the surface, at first glance, it's like another agricultural mitzvah. It is another agricultural mitzvah. There's a lot of mitzvahs we do with our agriculture, with our product of the earth. A lot of mitzvahs that you have to do with things that you grow. They're, another, it's specifically with, you know, giving things away. Giving things away from things that you grow from the ground. There's trumas, there's maestras, there's maeserishin, there's maeserishin, there's maeserani, there's peya, there's leket, there's shikha. All the things, you have to leave the corner of the field, you have to leave the sheaves that fall down when you harvest them. You have to give it 2% to the kain, 10% to the levi, another 10% to the aniyim in the third and the sixth year, etc. There's a lot of mitzvahs you do with things that grow. And bikurim, bikurim is another one of these mitzvahs that you do with something that, that your, 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 your produce, your fruits, your, your uh, seven species. What do you do with bikurim? You take the first fruits, you bring them in a basket to Jerusalem, to the Beis HaMikdash. You come to the Beis HaMikdash, and the Torah tells us there's a whole program and a whole whole procedure that you do with Bikurim. And the question's like this. The question is twofold. A, what, what did Bikurim do? Why did Bikurim get this whole program? Because in one more mitzvah you do with things that you grow. Bikurim ultimately you give it to the kind. Bikurim is you take, set aside the first fruits, put them in a the basket, they go to the kind. Like Truma goes to the kind. Like Maiser Rishon goes to the Levi. Like Maiser Ani goes to the Anim. Like Leket goes to the poor people. So Bikurim is fruits that Torah designates that go to the kind. A lot of things you have to give away to a lot of people. But Bikurim is the only one that gets this whole fanfare and this production and this program. That Bikurim, you gotta come all the way to the base Hamikdash, put them in the basket. And and uh, make this whole recital, as as we have in the opening aliyah. Why do Bikurim, you know, Maishna, Manishtana, Manishtana the Bikurim, that they come with this whole program that nothing else gets. With Truma, you don't have to say anything. There's no ceremony. There's no pamp. There's no fanfare. Just take off the 150th, give it to the kind. Maiserishan, Maisersheni, Maiserani. There's no procedure. You just, you, you give it away. How come Bikurim comes with a whole program? And part of that program is going to the base on Mikdash, and part of that program is this whole recital. And, and the recital is actually a well-known one. We hear it Shabbos afternoon last week, we hear it Monday morning, we hear it Thursday morning. We're going to hear the Shabbos again. And we say this every year also on the night of the 15th of Nisan in the Haggadah. The Haggadah of Lel Pesach, we say the Psukim, the Psukim that we say, a lot of the Psukim that form the backbone of the Haggadah actually come from the Mikra Bikurim, what's called Mikra Bikurim, the Kriya 
the recital that you do when you bring Bikurim. So what are these Pesukim? The Torah instructs us, come to the kind, you shall arrive at the kind that will be in your day. This is what you tell the kind. I've arrived in Eretz Yisrael. He takes a basket. Okay, now here's actually where the recital begins. Arami Love and tried to destroy my grandfather. Vayevard Mitzrayim, Kleiser went down to Egypt. Vayagrasham b'msei ma'at. We were there in few number with 70 people. Vayisham l'gaygadol atzim v'rav. We multiplied, we increased. We proliferated. Vayireyos on Mitzrayim. The Egyptians were rotten. Vayya'anunu. They mistreated us, they abused us. Vayinu vayakasha. We cried out. We know all these pesukim. We say this every year by the seder, by the Haggadah on Pesach. Hashem took us out of Egypt with with signs, with miracles, with wonders. And Hashem brought us. Hashem brought us to Jerusalem to the base of Mikdash. Hashem gave us this land, a land flowing milk and honey. Now we conclude. Behold, I brought. The first fruits of my field, Hashem Nasanta, the Hashem that Hashem has given me, and then Vinachlufnei Hashem Lekech, you put it down next to the Mizbeach. So we have no fewer than five packed psukim over here of what you're supposed to say when you bring Bikurim. And here's the second question. The second question is: Okay, for some reason the Torah decided that Bikurim, that Bikurim, is special, is different than all other matanas, all other items that you have to give away from your produce. And that's, that was our first question. But the second question is that in this program, when you come and you make this whole recital, like what's going on over here? We're like throwing in everything, including the kitchen sink. You bring this basket of fruits, your pomegranates and your dates and your grapes and your figs to the Cayenne. And you talk about like everything. You're talking about going down to Egypt. You're talking about Lavan. You're talking about... In Mitzrayim, you're talking about suffering, you're talking about Exodus. We're throwing everything, like, under the sun into this Bikurim basket. What happened over here, that when I bring these first fruits to the Kayin, I talk about the, you know, everything and anything. I throw the, I throw, I throw Kola Terakul into this. So, again, it's a question with two halves, really both halves of one question. What's different about Bikurim than everything else? It's just, again, on the surface, just one more Matana. And, What's going on exactly with Bikurim that we're talking about um, every single event that ever happened, you know, in, in Klaisol's history, starting from Olavon and Yaakov Avinu and going down with 70 people to Egypt. What does that have to do with this basket of fruits? Laman Hashem, what's going on? So clearly, these questions indicate there's something lurking at the surface over here of Bikurim. We've got to crack this open to really figure out, you know, on a deeper level, what Bikurim is all about. And yes, it's true, we know that, that it's a well-known idea that Bikurim is about giving thanks, saying thanks to Hashem. The farmer, you know, uh, is um, thankful that he has a luscious, delicious, beautiful crop, so he's coming to say thank you to Hashem. Okay, that, that's a well-known idea. Bikurim is about Hakaras HaToiv. Rashi says this, that you're telling Hashem thank you, you're, you're showing Hashem that you're not, you're not ungrateful, that you're, you're, you have a lot of gratitude and appreciation. Great, so we're saying thank you, but... Why are we throwing in thank you? That, that's, 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 that's what's going on over here. Once we're saying thank you for the fruits, once we're saying thank you for the olives and the pomegranates and the wheat and the barley, we're saying thank you for for uh, for being saved from Laban. Thank you for going down to Egypt. And, and, and a lot of things that we're throwing in there don't seem to be thank yous. Like the, they were cruel, they mistreated us. 
the thank yous wouldn't seem to be sufficient to account for why I'm again going through every single event over here and throwing the whole Kit Kat and Caboodle into this Bikurim basket. So, so these are the questions. We have to pursue these questions, try to crack open Bikurim, understand what, what, what's the, uh, idea of Bikurim, what's the aside of Bikurim, what's the lesson that Tara is teaching us over here and what we're supposed to take away from this. So the idea is like this. There is something special and unique about Bikurim. There's something special and unique about what I'm doing, what I'm doing by coming to the Beis HaMikdash. And Bikurim, my first fruits, the Torah instructs me to come to the Beis HaMikdash specifically. That's like another question we really can throw in. Not only, like Bikurim are different that I have to do this whole recital, this whole process and program. I have to come all the way to Yerushalayim, all the way to the Beis HaMikdash, all the way to the Mizbech, and I have to do that in the presence of the coin by the Mizbech. A Truma, you don't have to go to the Mizbech to give the Truma to the coin. You have to go to any specific location to give Meister to the Levi. But Bikurim, for some reason, I have to come all the way to Jerusalem, regardless of where I live, regardless of where my plantation and uh, pardes and orchard is, and you got to find the kind by the base emikdash. So, so the, the the vart the idea is as follows, Rabbi Say. The Rishonim get the ball rolling by pointing out that when a Jew brings his first fruits to the base hamikdash, what he's doing is really a fulfillment of a biblical promise that was made to the forefathers. I, I am a real-life fulfillment of a promise that was made a very long time ago. Hashem made a promise, already to Avram, and again to Yitzchak, and again to Yaakov, that I'm going to give your children Eretz Zavascholov Udvash. I'm going to give your children a land that's lush and luscious, and I'm going to be a God to your children. I'm going to, the same way I'm your God, Hashem said to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, I'm going to be the God of your children. I'm not going to forsake or abandon them. And I'm going to award your children. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring them to a land that's luscious and beautiful, flowing milk and honey, a land that the forefathers did not live in. They lived in Eretz Canaan. They never were there to be a part of the Eretz Yisrael to see the Zavas Chalodash. They were living there when Canaan were living there. They were never there when it was Eretz Yisrael. They were there when it was Eretz Canaan. And the Rishonim say that when a Jew brings his first fruits to the Beis Hamikdash, he's actually living testimony to two things. He is a living testimony to the fact that, A, Hashem has indeed awarded us and granted us a land that's luscious and beautiful and flowing milk and honey, because look at these beautiful fruits, luscious fruits that I'm bringing. And B, bringing it to the Beis HaMikdash is proof and testimony that Hashem has not abandoned us, that Hashem is indeed in our midst, because I'm coming to the Beis HaMikdash. So Bikurim is actually the enactment of those two promises, the fulfillment of those two promises that were made to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So we hear the beginnings of why I'm going back in time. I'm going back in history to talk about Arami, Oivadavi. Why am I going back to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? Why am I going back to Yaakov's beginnings in Eretz Canaan, going down to Mitzrayim? We begin to see glimmerings of that over here, uh, ahead of us, that there's something about bring Bikurim that's kind of coming full circle. Bring Bikurim is a national act kind of, a, of coming full circle in that a promise was made thousands of years ago and by me today, thousands of years later, just coming with my modest basket of these delicious fruits, I'm bringing that cycle all the way to the end. So that's to begin with why there's something a little bit different and unique going on with Bikurim 
than other than Shruma, than Meiser. Shruma indeed, Taka doesn't have this idea. You bring it to the base of Mekdash. Shruma doesn't have to come from my first fruits, from the seven species that Eretz Yisrael is singled out for. But Bikurim is from the seven species that are special, unique, and indigenous to Eretz Yisrael. The Zavas Cholavudvash, the lush and milk and honey of Eretz Yisrael. And they're brought to the base of Mikdash. So again, when a Yid does that, he is living testimony to the promise that was made to the forefathers. He's coming full circle. So we reconnect to the forefathers. Okay, that gets us going, but that still is not enough, quite enough to answer the, 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 the entirety of the parsha because we don't just say that I'm coming as a if, if it would only be that it would be sufficient to say I'm coming as a descendant of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and you promise his land to them and here's the first fruits I've come I, I'm, I've arrived we can skip from the first Pasuk to the last Pasuk what's all this in the middle of going down to Egypt of suffering in Egypt of signs, wonders, and miracles in Egypt of the exodus in Egypt why do we need all of that? that still has to be asked if we're only just coming full circle, why do you have to talk about Mitzrayim, the Sheba Mitzrayim, and Yitzhiya Mitzrayim? What does that have to do with Bikurim? So we have to take this a step further. We know that Bikurim is referred to with a specific term that you won't find in a lot of places in the Torah. Bikurim is called Reishis. Reishis, which means the beginning. V'lakach dame Reishis kol priho adama. Bring from the beginnings, Reishis, Reishis. Bring the racious. Pikurim is called racious. There's a few select items that belong to a club that's called the racious club. There's a small select club of things in the Torah that are also called racious. Pikurim is called racious. What else is called racious? I don't believe so. I don't believe the first ones are called racious. So Rashi in the beginning of the part of the Torah brings down what else is called Rashis. The Torah is called Rashis, Rashis Chachma Yiras Hashem, and Klal Yisrael is called Rashis. Kaidish Yisrael Rashis, uh, pre to also. Klal is called Rashis, we're called the beginning. The Torah is called the beginning, and Bikurim are called the beginning. And where else do we find that word Rashis, Rabbi Sai? This is not by a mitzvah, but where else do we find the word Rashis in the Torah? Where, where, where by Elmerishon? Where do we find the word racious? Come on, this is not too hard, guys. Racious bara lekim as Hashemayim v'asharts. The opening word of the Torah. Racious bara lekim. The beginning God created, right? You heard that one before. Racious bara lekim. We have a whole parsha, a whole chumash called racious. Racious in the beginning. So the Torah starts with the word racious in the beginning. The Torah itself is called racious chachma. Klaiso is called racious, and Bikurim is called racious. And Rashi brings all this down in the beginning of the Torah, which we're going to have, we're going to be back there again, believe it or not, in just a few short weeks. We're going to be right back there again. And Rashi brings down a famous statement from Chazal that why are all these things called racious? And why are they under the umbrella of biracious in the beginning? Because the Torah is trying to make it clear that it was worth it to create the entire world for these items. It was worth it to create the biracious, the whole biracious, the whole creation is justified, is worth it, just for Klaiso, just for Rashi's, for, for, for Kodesh Yisrael, Rashi's Pritvuasa. Just for Klai Yisrael, it was worth it to create the whole world. And for the Torah, Rashi's Chachma, it was worth it to create the whole world. And for Bikurim, Bikurim, it was worth it to create the whole world. So this is a very odd grouping. Like, what's the odd man ad over here? If we think about this as Tamudists. 
we're told in a statement from our sages that there's three things that justify the entire world. Klai Yisrael justifies the entire universe. It's worth it to create the whole universe just for Klai Yisrael. The Torah, the Holy Torah, worth it to create the whole universe for the Holy Torah. And the mitzvah of Bikurim, bringing seven fruits in the basket, it's worth it to create the whole world for the seven fruits that come in the basket. So what's like the Yad Man Yad? What's the one that doesn't seem to fit into this group so well? The, the fruits with the basket. Very good. Everybody with me? Everybody with Yosef Aryeh? Klai we get like Klai For sure, you create the whole world for, for Yidin. We know that. You know, we're the, we're the elite of society. We're Hashem's chosen nation. Of course it's worth it to create the universe for us. Huh? Do we doubt that at all, Rabbi Yisrael? We don't have any fakers. We don't have any doubts. Does anybody doubt that it was worth creating the whole universe just for us? We get that, right? That makes a lot of sense. We're worth it to create the whole world just for the Torah? Of course. The Torah is beautiful. The Torah is so holy and sweet and yummy and delicious and we love the Torah. But what's with this? It's worth it to create the whole world for the mitzvah of Bikurim. And there's a lot of mitzvahs, right? A lot of mitzvahs. There's, there's Shilu HaKain. There's building a fence around your, your roof. There's putting a mezuzah on the door. There's putting strings on a four-corner garment. Like this mitzvah of bring seven fruits in the basket, it's worth it to create the whole universe for this mitzvah. What's going on over here? How do these three together justify all of creation? The teretz is, it's all three together. It's worth it to create the whole world for a Klai Yisrael who's going to be learning Torah and doing the mitzvah of Bikurim. But again, Bikurim seems to be the Advanats. That it has the same stature as the holy nation of the Jews and the holy Torah is the seven fruits in the basket. Territ is like this. Here we come back to what we said earlier. What's the essence of Bikurim? What lies at the heart of the core of Bikurim? The mitzvah of Bikurim is really an exercise in saying, thank you. We mentioned earlier, hakaras hatoif. It's about saying thank you. It's about saying thank you. And what is thank you really? When we say thank you to God, what is thank you really? What are we doing when we say thank you? We are acknowledging, not just appreciating, acknowledging that everything that we have came from God, and we return to God, and we say thank you Hashem for everything. It's a statement of acknowledgement, of clarity and appreciation that all that I have, all that I do, all that I'm supposed to do was given to me by you, God. And I return to you, I come back to you to acknowledge that. I come full circle. I bring myself all the way back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what Bikurim really is. Bikurim is saying, thank you, Hashem, for, for these fruits, for these fruits. Okay, so that's very nice. That's very nice that we're saying thank you to God. And it is very important to say thank you to God. And, um, you know, definitely no one's going to argue with that, that it's an important thing. Why does it go together with the first two, with Klai Yisrael and, and Torah? And the answer is, each one of these three comes together to create a full, beautiful, and very rich picture of the purpose of the universe. The universe is here, A, that there should be representatives of God. That's Klai Yisrael, not the Goyim. Goyim are not representatives of God. Goyim are representatives of what happens when you disobey God, actually, the Svaramakadoshan tell us. The Goyim are the legacy of Adam after his fall, after his sin. And that's really what the Goyim are representatives of. We, and we have to have this clarity, we have to be proud of this, not bashful of this. We have to be, you know, able to believe in this, not try to hide from it. We are representatives of God. So the world is created outside of God, but that there should be emissaries, representatives of God. That's step A. That's racist, the racist of Klai Yisrael. B, 
The second race the world's created for is Torah. Those representatives of God, what do we want them to be doing? We want them to become godlike. We want them to become godly. We want a world outside of God with representatives of God. And as representatives of God, we want them to become godly and godlike on their own as much as they can. And that's what the Torah is there for. How do I become like God? I get into God's head, so to speak. I get into God's wisdom. I get into God's mind. I get into God's essence. That's how I, as a representative of God, become like God. That's through, through learning Torah, through learning Hashem's holy Torah. But that's still not enough. It's not just enough to create a universe to have a representative of God in a universe that's outside of God, so to speak. And it's not just enough for that representative of God to be becoming God-like. We need that representative who becomes like God more and more and more to turn around and address God and acknowledge God and say, thank you, God, for the privilege and the opportunity to represent you and to know you and to come close to you. Because if we don't come back and say thank you, if we don't come back and give thanks, give hakaras hatoiv to Baruch then the whole system breaks down. Then it looks like what? That yeah, God has representatives, God has a Jewish nation, and they're becoming like God, they're learning Torah, they're doing mitzvahs, they're espousing and absorbing and, and internalizing the wisdom of God, it's true. But they don't seem to be so thrilled about it. They don't seem to be so excited about it. They don't seem to view it as 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 a, as a real privilege or opportunity. You know, they're kind of dragging their feet. You drag them out of betashol. You drag them out of their homes for for for, uh, for a class. You drag them to to uh, to go help out to do chesed. They got to be dragged. Yeah, they're becoming like God more and more and more every single day. But they don't seem to be very appreciative of it. And if I'm not appreciative, if I don't say thank you, it means I don't really value what I got. I don't see what I got as a privilege, as an opportunity. I see it as a chore and a bore and a duty. And that's why we need Bikurim here also. This is the third prong of the three prongs upon which the entire universe is created and is therefore. It's therefore Hashem to have representatives in the world outside of Him. And it's there for those representatives to become like Hashem as much as possible. And that's what makes them representatives. That's Torah. That's mitzvahs. But finally, we need those representatives to understand and chap and get it that there's nothing greater in the world. There's no better position to be in than to be those representatives. And that's what happens when I say thank you. If I say thank you, it means I'm really appreciative. And I, I get it. I understand why this is so special. It's a privilege. It's a thrill. It's an opportunity. That's what thank you does. Without the thank you, I don't appreciate it. And what does it mean I don't appreciate it? It's okay. I got it. I have to do it. I have to go through the motions. But it didn't really enhance my life. It didn't really change my life. And it's not something that I feel privileged about. Not something that I see as, as special and as unique. The thank you changes everything. And that's why Bikurim is the third of these three prongs of Isaiah. That's what puts everything together over here. With Bikurim, we've justified the whole existence. With Klai Yisrael becoming like Hashem and appreciating that it's a privilege and a value and, and, and wonderful. There's nothing like becoming like Hashem. Without the Bikurim, without the thank you, then the whole world breaks down. We really haven't achieved the purpose of the world because we're making a statement that it, I'll, I'll do it. If you make me do it, I'll do it. But it's not a privilege. It's not something that's exciting. It's not something that I really enjoy. So that's why Bikurim are so important. And that's why...
When it comes to Bikurim, we throw everything into this recital, including the kitchen sink. We said, what is it about Bikurim that I have to do something with Bikurim that I don't do with any other mitzvah? I journey the Beis HaMikdash, I have the basket, and I say this whole recital. So why am I making Bikurim different than everything else? Because Bikurim is different than everything else, and that Bikurim is not just the final the final step in justifying creation. It's the final step in justifying Klal Yisrael's existence. The existence of the Jewish nation. We exist to receive mitzvahs, to represent Hashem, to learn His Torah, to become more and more like Him, and to go through the final step, which is facing Hashem, turning to the Rebbeinu Shalalim, and saying to the Rebbeinu Shalalim, thank you for this privilege, thank you for this, for this opportunity. This is amazing. I, I wouldn't give this up for anything. There's nothing like it, and this is the best life in the world. There's no more fulfilled life than I can possibly imagine. This is amazing. That's the thank you, that's what Bikurim is about. That's why we go through everything, Rabbi Yisai. We asked earlier, why do we go through every single step in history? We go through Arami Avedavi, that we start with Yaakov, and going down to Egypt, and suffering in Egypt, and 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 the signs and the miracles, miracles and the wonders, and leaving Egypt, and the travails of, 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 of uh, going down and coming out. Why are we going through every single step over here? The answers were chronicling every single step of the development of Kleisro, the history of Kleisro, because we have now come full circle in understanding what Kleisro is there for. In other words, all these steps were all about doing this mitzvah of Bikurim, creating Kleisro, making Kleisro, which starts with Yaakov and, and Laban and going down to Egypt and suffering in Egypt and coming out of Egypt in the Exodus. You know what that's all about? You know what that all comes down to? It all comes down to the opportunity to say thank you. That's what Kleisrol is all about. And that justifies all of world, world history. We go through world history because world history has finally achieved its purpose. It's all about saying thank you. Because what's thank you all about? Acknowledging that, there's, that, that this is the best place to be. Acknowledging this is the best existence. Acknowledging that there's nothing in the world like being Jewish and, and there's nothing in the world like being able to represent the Rebbein Shalom. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu learns to do his mitzvahs. Kalal Yisrael's existence comes down to being able to say thank you. That's why we go through every stage of history over here. Um, okay. So that's a nice idea in its own right. And, and that's um, the importance of Bikurim. So again, Bikurim is one of three pranks that all come together in Rashis, 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 Kalal Yisrael, Rashis, Tarez, Rashis. Bikurim is Rashis because Beresh is Baralakim. That's what the world is created for. It was created for an existence outside God where nevertheless there's representatives of God that are coming close to God, bonding with God, and able to make a statement that this is the best, the, the, the biggest privilege in the world. Thank you, Hashem. That thank you is a statement of there's no better place to be. And, and that's our appreciation to Hashem. Let's skip forward to let's, one more idea in the parasha which really connects with this. It's a separate idea of its own, but the two ideas go together very, very, very nicely. Um, <clears throat> the Torah talks about Simcha in this week's parasha, actually. Not a lot of places in the Torah where the Torah discusses the concept of being happy. But if you want proof that the Torah recognizes the concept of being happy, um, it's in one of the places that's mentioned is in Kisavai. It's hard to find this mention, this concept. It's, it's here, here and there. Uh, this is one of the places in the Torah where we talk about the, the notion, the concept of happiness, of being happy, is uh, in this week's parsha. So it is a Jewish thing, apparently, to be happy. 
where does it appear though the context is a bit of a gloomy context uh, it's in the context of the toichicha the great rebuke the second half of kisavai which is the second feature you know of the double feature of, of kisavai the you know the all the the fright and the fear and all the terrible terrible prophecies and calamities that are going to happen to Christ so if we don't listen that's what we have in the second half and in the middle of all the destruction um is the concept of Simcha. And it's mentioned in the following manner. Um, the famous Pasuk, actually. It says, So why is all this going to befall us? Why is Kleistol going to suffer so? It says, Tachas asher es As a result of the fact that we didn't worship Hashem, we didn't serve Hashem out of happiness and, 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 and gladness of spirit. We didn't serve Hashem besimcha out of happiness. With simcha, and with tuvlev, and with with a happy heart. So let's hear for a moment what the pasuk is saying. The pasuk is, is not saying that we get the teichel, we get all this miserable suffering and agony for being fry, for going off the derech, for not worshiping Hashem. It doesn't say that. It says we get it. We we receive the teichel chaser shalom when we serve when we serve Hashem, but we don't serve Hashem out of simcha. That right off the bat is a very scary thing. The commentators point out the importance of Simcha in our life, that Simcha is really the missing ingredient. It's the difference between the Toichacha and not getting the Toichacha. Not mitzvahs as opposed to not doing mitzvahs, but Simcha. That's the importance of how we do things. But I want to just take this one step further to to uncover and discover another point over here. Again, the concept of Simcha is like a, a, a funny kind of concept. You know, when we talk about Simcha, is a Jew supposed to be Simcha? We're supposed to be happy. Is there an idea that we're always supposed to be happy? Is it a Jewish thing? Is it not a Jewish thing? Is it a New Age thing? Is it a fluffy thing? Is it a hippie thing? Is it a real thing? Is it just a Hasidic thing? Is it a Litvish thing? Not for sure not. What? For sure not Litvish. For sure not Litvish. Yeah, so a, the, 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 there is such a theory out there. There is such a theory. So, so what is exactly the notion of Simcha, of happiness, and where does it fit into Judaism? So the the bottom line is like this. The notion of Simcha is really there in this Pasuk, in, in this week's parasha. what Simcha is all about. And it, it, what, what's the answer to what Simcha is? Is it, is it the Hasidic concept? Is it the Litvish concept? It's really smack in the middle. It, it's, it's not quite... Judaism is not quite as, as antiseptic and, uh, you know, uh, cold... And um, Spartan, as the Litzah should make it out to be, you know, just do what you're asked to do and don't ask any questions and hopefully, hopefully things will be better after 120, you know. Uh, it's not to that extreme, but as far as, you know, the concept, the notion of, yeah, you know, Simcha is just walk around in the state of Simcha. You should always be happy. A Jew should always be happy. It's a big concept. It's, it's important to always be happy. We see from the parish it's not quite to that extreme either. That's also not the concept of happiness in Judaism. Simcha Rabbi Sait is not a destination in of itself. Simcha in Judaism, happiness in Judaism is not a purpose in of itself. It's not a destination in of itself. And it's not a it's not a state of being in of itself. The concept of just just be happy, that is indeed a little bit fluffy. And, and that's not what the Torah wants. Simcha is always a, in Simcha, in Judaism, is not a noun, it's an adjective. What does it mean it's not a noun, it's an adjective? 
Simcha is all about how I'm doing something. That's where Simcha fits into, ju- into Judaism, to Yiddishkeit. How am I doing something? I'm supposed to be doing it with Simcha. And that's exactly what's going on in the parasha, that mitzvahs have to be done with Simcha. Torah has to be learned with Simcha. Davening has to be with Simcha. Tzedakah has to be with Simcha. Chesed has to be with Simcha. Taking care of others has to be with Simcha. Simcha is how I do something. The way in which I do it, the emotional state in which I do, Torah in which I do mitzvahs, has to be done with Simcha. Not that there's a concept of just walking around with a smile on your face, with, with glassy eyes, and uh, a big smile, and just always be happy. That's not the concept that the Torah is presenting with us. That's not simcha and Yiddishkeit. Simcha and Yiddishkeit is how I'm doing something else. So what does that mean? Let's take it to the final step over here. Torah and mitzvahs ultimately are not just rules. They're not just expectations. They are, they are ropes. They are wires. They are um, dinner tickets. If you want, their their season their season passes to my favorite team. They are doorways to Hashem, doorways to greatness, doorways to self development, doorways to me being a greater, better person. That's what all of Torah is. That's what all of mitzvahs are. There's two ways I can do it. I can do it again, as we mentioned earlier. It's a drag. Okay, I have to do it. I will do it, but you know, it's not so enjoyable. It's a bit of a drag. Or I can do it with understanding and realizing what it is that I'm doing. What a privilege it is. What an opportunity it is to, to improve myself, to become great, to have this season pass, to be in God's, in, 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 in the inner circle, in, in the, you know, ringside seats, in God's arena. There's nothing like that. There's no greater privilege. When I understand what tournaments are all about, then I do it with Simcha. Simcha means I understand that I'm connecting to something. Simcha means I understand I'm going somewhere with this. Simcha means I understand it's taking me somewhere. That's the thrill, the excitement, the energy of happiness. And really the Svar Makadosh and the Holy Books tell us that if you break it down, the Vilna Gaon says this, actually, and others say this too, Simcha happiness is really always, in its pure sense, the thrill, the excitement of sensating that I'm going somewhere, that I'm in a journey, that I'm along the way, I'm on a path. You know, when you go set out on a road trip, you know, and, and, and the road is just, the highway is just unfolding ahead of you and you have, you know, you're going on an exciting trip. That feeling of, uh, you know, excitement and energy, that is what Simcha is, says the Vilna Gaon. He's not the only one that says this. Yes, I know the Vilna Gaon was Litvish. But he's not the only one that says this. The Svar Makadosh and the mystical commentators say the same idea. Simcha is when you are in motion, when you're going somewhere. So when I understand that all of mitzvahs and all of is there, to bring me to Hashem, to bring me to a greater, to greatness. I'm a greater person. I'm a greater father. I'm a greater husband. I'm a greater community member. I'm a greater accessory to Hashem Himself. Then I have simcha, and it comes as a result of understanding that it's a privilege to do mitzvahs. That's when we don't get the teichav. If I am dragged into mitzvahs, if I have to be forced into doing mitzvahs, then I'm dragging my feet. There's no simcha because it's not taking me anywhere. I don't have that electricity, that energy, and that excitement. And that's when the Teichachach comes. But again, what is Simcha Rabbi Yisai in its purest form? Simcha means the sensation that we have when we are in motion, when we are doing something and when we are going somewhere. And that's why you find, by the way, whenever Chazal talk about Simcha, Chazal never talk about Simcha in of itself. Chazal don't say anywhere that a Jew should be happy. Biba Simcha. Our sages don't say that. What do our sages say? They talk about Simchas Yamtiv. 
Simchas Toira. Simchas Chosim Vekala. Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Whenever we find Simcha discussed in Chazal, it's always Simcha of something. And that's what Simcha really is. Simchas Atoira is a Simcha that I have when I learn Torah. We talk about Simcha Shal Mitzvah, the Gemara and Brachas. The Simcha that I have when I do a Mitzvah. Simchas Chosim Vekala. The Simcha that I have when I celebrate a wedding. When I make a Chosim Vekala happy. Simchas Yamtiv, the Simcha that I have in coming to another Yamtiv. So Simcha is always connected to something because Simcha is a, a result of being involved with something, going somewhere with something. And that is really uh, uh, the, the Torah true sense uh, and understanding of Simcha. So again, Yiddishkeit, Torah Mitzvah, so where does Simcha fit in? Where does Simcha fit in? So Simcha, again, is not just a frame of mind, be happy. It's important for Jewish people to be happy. Nor is it that there is no room for simcha in Judaism. You know, go take your simcha and find find a place to to lock it away. Find a place to to uh, dispose of your simcha. It's exactly in the middle. As we said, the content of simcha is the the the, the uh, state in which I do Torah, in which I do mitzvahs, and it's representative. It indicates that I am doing them for real. That they're taking me somewhere. There 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 are real connectors, and they are really. Accompany me on this journey. I'm going on this journey, and uh, that's what simcha, in fact, is. So this is the discovery that we make from this week's parsha. We should all of us be privileged to have a lot of simcha, to have real simcha, pure simcha, uh, and and feel the electricity and the energy and the thrill from doing business, from learning Torah, and it should take us indeed to great places. We should all achieve greatness in a very happy way and achieve all the brachas from Kisavai through serving Hashem with simcha. All the brachas. Okay. Should pursue us and chase us down.